I am convinced that we could use a dose of good news. I mean like a serious dose, <laughs> like a global dose of good news. So um, about a year ago, um, life began to change for all of us. One of the I hesitate to even say this sentence because I don't want to disrespect anybody who's had a really hard time. But one of the positive things to come about from the pandemic is it reminded us how connected we are to humankind. We, we tend to think that we exist in a different world, but we share the same world. And so lockdown looks very different in different cultures, but it was the same pandemic. It was the same virus. And as the world was changing right about 12 months ago, we're coming up on that 12-month anniversary. About a month into the pandemic, uh, an actor tried to give some encouraging words to a world that was struggling. An actor named John Krasinski, if you're my age or younger, you know him, Um and do old people know him too? So I've asked a lot of people if they know about some good news. And um, Monica and Lance had no idea what I was talking about. But everybody younger than me knew who I was talking about. So you might know uh, John Krasinski as Jim from The Office, if that helps, or as Jack Ryan. Okay, we got a woo. Um, season three is about to come out, by the way. Uh, so double whoop for Jack Ryan. Uh, or maybe you know him as the star writer and director of A Quiet Place, along with his wife, Emily Blunt. Um, anyways, he put together from his den uh, in his house this little YouTube show called Some Good News. Uh, the logo for it was a little watercolored SGN uh, drawn by one of his kids. And the, the whole idea was he asked people to send him heartwarming stories uh, from that first month of the pandemic of people who were trying to serve people, the, the best of humanity kind of stories. And that very first episode of Some Good News had over 18 million views very quickly, the very definition of going viral, right? And and then it grew into this eight-episode thing where he continued to tell these stories as it was coming up on high school graduations or high school proms, uh, the, the things that people did to, to do, drive by little parades or whatever. And so he kept telling those stories, and it was this this happy glimpse, finally, of some good news. But then as kind of quick as it went viral, he stopped doing them, right? Which is how a lot of good news tends to be. For most of us, when we hear somebody tell us that they have good news, we instantly assume they're bracing us for bad news. Right? I got some good news. What do you expect to come next? And some bad news. Which do you want first, right? You ever get a phone call from somebody you really care about and the first thing they say is, okay, first you need to know there's good news. We're okay. Well, what's second? <laughs> If that's what's first, right? When, when somebody starts a conversation off with good news, our insurance is paid up. Good news, my cousin is a lawyer, we'll be fine. You know, like, you're, we're bracing for something else. For some of us, this week we experienced, oh, good news, the water's back on. Bad news, it's in the house, right? <laughs> When we hear a lot of good news, we tend to, to brace ourselves for, for what is coming next. And so I would submit to you, the world doesn't need some good news. 
But what every one of us need this morning is the good news. Not some random heartwarming story that's forgotten in a moment, but the timeless, earth-shaking, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's where we're going to plant our hearts for the next couple of weeks. So grab your Bible if you would this morning. Uh, we're going to begin by saying our creed together. Even if you're worshiping from home this morning, we're going to ask you to say this out loud with us together as a body of Christ. It's what helps connect us. So let's hold up our Bibles and declare this with confidence this morning. Here we go. The Bible is the word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. Lord, open my heart and awaken my mind and give me grace to respond. Change me for your glory and my joy. Amen. Please turn to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter one. If you're using a device to scroll from, I will tell you, uh, I'm preaching out of the New Living Translation this morning. Um, I, I typically uh, use the ESV more often than not, uh, but I love the way the New Living Translation uh, reads in this passage. And so if you're scrolling, click that for the if you're wanting to follow along. Uh, the NLT is the version that we're using this morning. Colossians chapter one. Colossians begins the way most letters begin. Um, the, the custom of that time is the author would introduce himself first instead of signing it at the end of the letter the way that we do. Um, they would introduce themselves first. So this is a letter from Paul and Timothy to the church at Colossae and around Colossae. He begins the actual letter in verse 3. We're only going to read uh, the first four verses here to begin this morning. Verse 3 says, we always pray for you. That is pretty cool to hear from the Apostle Paul, <laughs> right? Because there's sometimes people tell me that they pray for me, and I'm like, do you? I'm not sure. You know, like my mom for real prays for me. That's cool, right? Uh, my, almost every Sunday morning, I get a text from my mom before any of y'all are out of bed saying, I'm praying for you already today. And almost every week, she sends me a text after I preach and says, great job, son. But, you know, when moms compliment you, you're like, OK, you know, like, you know, you think your kids are beautiful. Right? Like, like moms just have a different set of lenses. Right. <laughs> And so when she tells me that's a great sermon, it's like, Mom, I don't, I, I don't even know where I was today, you know. But when she tells me she's praying for me, isn't that an awesome thing when somebody tells you that and you know they mean it? So the Apostle Paul says, we always pray for you. I just think that's cool. That has nothing to do with what we're going to talk about this morning. But then he says, we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then he's going to explain what he's thankful for. And before he explains that, I want to remind you, we just spent three weeks talking about three things that remain. Saving faith, enduring hope, consuming love. They remain, right? It's, it's the very thing that saves us to which we persevere in the thing that defines us today. So check this out. Verse four. We've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. How cool is that? Apostle Paul says, I hear that the three things that nobody can take from you, that no circumstance can take from you, that no trial can take from you, no tribulation can take from you, I hear that those things are at work in you. Praise God. You're growing in your faith in the goodness of Christ Jesus. You're growing in your love for busted up, broken, unlovable people. And you're growing in your hope of the glory of heaven Hallelujah. Thank God. 
The rest of verse 5 says, you've had this expectation ever since you heard the truth of the good news. If you're reading a different translation right there, it might say the word gospel. The word gospel is not a church word. The word gospel simply means good news. The the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's what we call the gospel, is such good news that it's the thing that gives us faith for our salvation, hope for our eternity, and reveals the love of God for us, and in response, our love for him and for those who would bear his image. That's the good news. He says, this has all come from the good news. Verse number six, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere. I love this. By changing lives. That, that, that's what it means by producing fruit. That's a personal fruit. It's a fruit that is, is as evident as something hanging from a tree. There's fruit growing. And the fruit of the gospel is life change. Just as it changed your lives from the day you heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. Here's the good news this morning. God's wonderful grace is available in plenty to you today. That's the good news. Then verse 7, we're, we're going to get introduced very briefly to a guy. He said, you learned about the good news from Epaphras. Some scholars think it's Epaphras. and Some say it's Epaphras. I never met the guy, so I don't know. But him, the description of them of him is more important than his name. He calls him our beloved co-worker. He's Christ's faithful servant. And he's helping us on your behalf. I'm going to talk to you this morning and, Lord willing, next week about the good news. The first thing I want to say is this. The good news is so good that it's life-changing. The good news is so good that it's life changing to the degree that I believe it's actually the only thing in existence that actually is life changing. We can momentarily change our behavior. We can maybe work hard enough to change our feelings. We might can try to change our perspective. But the only thing that truly changes us from the inside out is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's so good that we're not the same after we truly believe it. We've experienced glimpses of that before because many of us have gotten news that was life-changing. Maybe it began, uh, Ethan Harp last week got accepted into Trinity Baptist College, right? You get that news, you're a student at this college now. It's going to alter the, the trajectory of his life, right? And maybe for you, that was the acceptance letter. Maybe for you, a life-changing thing is you didn't get in the college you hoped for, and God had a better plan for you than you could have picked for yourself. That was my story. I had a plan. God didn't let me have my plan. He had a better plan for me, and I ended up at Trinity Baptist College. And look how I turned out, Ethan. <laughs> the good news is so good, it's, it's life-changing. For some of us, that good news was, hey, we're going to formally extend you the offer to come and work here. 
For some, that that life-changing good news was, okay, I've been thinking about it for three months. Yes, I'll go ahead and marry you. <laughs> Maybe it didn't take you three months for you to get a yes? <laughs> Maybe it was just me. Okay. Um, Maybe for you the good news was it's a boy or it's a girl. We never heard that one. Um, you got news that made life look different. Well, here's the news that truly changes our life. You ready? We belonged to the dominion of darkness. And through his wonderful grace... He has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. He has brought us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's the good news. I don't know about you, but not having power in our house, there was this this timid excitement when the power came back on. Right? Oh, it's back on, is it? Is it going to stay on? How long is it going to stay on? I saw a meme that said every Texan has been on an episode of Chopped this week. Hurry up. you got 15 minutes to make the next meal before the power goes back off. You're on the clock. We, we had this excitement because we experienced what it is to be in darkness. And we're not used to that. We didn't know how to operate. We ain't no pioneers, y'all. Like, we had to figure this thing out. And the, the, the light came back on and life looked different. Right? What a tiny glimpse of our spiritual reality. We were in such darkness that theologically we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And he brought us so much into light that it was like being raised from death to life. That's the good news. The good news is so good that it changes our lives. We we look at at verse number six, where he says that this good news that came to us is the same good news that's going all around the world, bearing fruit by changing lives. That's just what it does. It, it can't help but, but raise the dead to life. That's what the good news does. And a New Year's resolution can't do that. I don't know about y'all, but my New Year's resolution got snowpocalypsed this week. The snackpocalypse overwhelmed Snowpocalypse. The New Year's resolution is going to need a resurrection from death to life this week. Because willpower can't truly change us. I mean, it can only get so far. It's the good news that, that transforms us. And, and, and the thing about good news, you know, the, the reason John Krasinski produced those episodes of some good news is he wanted people to feel better for a minute. But the good news is meant to be more than something we enjoy or are warmed by or even encouraged by. It literally transforms us from the inside out and we can't be the same. And the thing about how it bears fruit and is increasing, uh, the text says in the ESV, is it's a lifelong journey. The gospel never stops changing our lives until we're fully formed to be like him. Which, by the way, won't happen this side of eternity. So this life-changing work continues. And so whether you've been a follower of Jesus for 15 minutes or 15 years or 50 years, the work of the gospel is still supposed to be transforming us into the image of his beloved son. You've not reached a point 
that there's not work to be done. The, the question is not whether or not the gospel, the good news, changes lives. The question is, are we so comfortable with the gospel that it's lost its goodness to our hearts? I, I believe that far too many of us in this culture and in this context have heard the good news so much that it's more like mediocre news. It's more like, eh, Jesus died, duh, like, he rose again. I mean, heard that as a kid. Okay, whatever. Good for Jesus. And, and the fact is, I believe that that is the cancer of the American church is the good news isn't that good to us anymore. We don't need new methods. We don't need new models. We don't need new ideas. We need a resurrection of the goodness of the good news. And by the way, that's not what the church needs or what some other people need. It's what I need. I can't begin to tell you how convicted I've been as I've prepared to preach this. God, I'm so comfortable with how wonderful your grace is that I'm not in wonder at it anymore. Holy Spirit, awaken in me the glories of the gospel of grace. Remind me what deadness felt like so that I can celebrate life. Remind me. How dark darkness was so that I can celebrate the goodness of light. The world doesn't need more judgy Christians. They need people who can't get over what the good news has done in them. It's life changing. And while some good news lasted for several weeks and went away, the work of the good news will not stop changing lives until Jesus comes again. The work will continue. And here's the deal. Bad news is still what sells. If you want to nerd out, Google bad news headlines. And just read about the psychology that's put into the effort of writing headlines with the worst possible interpretation of the events so that people will read it. And people used to say bad news sells newspapers. And then they said bad news sells airtime on TV. And now bad news is clickbait. It's how we get people to visit that website so that we can sell ads to the advertisers. Bad news sells, but good news changes lives. And what the world is in desperate need of right now is transformation through the power of the good news of the gospel. So the good news is so good, it's life-changing. The second thing I would say this, the good news is so good, we can't possibly keep it to ourselves. There in verse 6, the Apostle Paul is trying to encourage his brothers and sisters by telling them that this good news is going out all over the world. And all I have to say to that is, well, shouldn't it? I mean, good grief. Resurrection power? Don't we want everybody to hear that? Like, the reason that over 18 million people viewed John Krasinski's video within, like, first three seconds he posted it is because people shared it. They were like, oh, I feel better. I want other people to watch this. Do you know what that's called? Wait for it. That's called evangelism. There's a good churchy word for you. 
That's called global missions. Because <laughs> you know what button they clicked so that their loved ones could watch that? They clicked the the share button. <laughs> That's how the the gospel has gone all around the world. That's how the good news got from Colossae to Fort Worth. Because somebody shared with somebody who shared with somebody who shared with somebody throughout the generations, there's good news in a world full of bad news. That's how we found out about it. It's too good to keep to ourselves. It is going around the whole world. And here's the great news. 2,000 years later, it's still going around the world. During the pandemic, I guess with extra time on their hands, the Center for the Study of Global Christianity, um, part of Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, they they studied where where is the cause of the gospel in the world today? So at the time of that research, the population clock was around 7.7 billion people. And based on their research on planet Earth just a couple months ago, around 2.5 billion people on planet Earth claim to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's the Savior of the world. He died on the cross. He rose again. Two and a half billion people around the world claim to be followers of Jesus. Would we agree on every theological interpretation of the scriptures? No. But do they claim to be followers of Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Yes. One third of the population of planet Earth claims to be a follower of Jesus. And here's what really excites me about this research. Is Christianity is growing faster than the population trend. So it's not just Christians are having babies and that's why there's more Christians. People who aren't raised in Christian homes are coming to saving faith in Jesus Christ in the world faster than the population is growing. That's exciting to me. We live in a time where the good news is bearing fruit by changing lives all around the world. And here's the thing. I hope this makes sense. So throughout history, there's been hubs of gospel activity. Uh, in the early church, the book of Acts, Jerusalem begins to trickle out the good news around the world. And then Asia Minor, we have the hub of the gospel and it's beginning to spread in the world. And then Rome became a hub for the gospel and it's spreading around the world. And then Europe became a hub for the gospel. And, and a, a generation ago, North America was a hub for the gospel. But let me just tell you about some recent research that we have. If you look at the, the 2.5 billion Christians in the world, follow me here, right around 25% of them are in Europe. Right about 25% of them are in Latin America and the Caribbean. Right about 25% are in sub-Saharan Africa. Uh, about 13% are in Asia. And 12% are in North America. And I think that is a beautiful picture of the good news that is spreading around the world and bearing fruit. How great is that? It's almost like God's got this plan to where one day... <laughs> Men, women, and children from every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation are going to stand before his throne and declare, worthy is the lamb. In a world full of bad news, I want you to know the good news is still advancing today. When, when visible church work has been crippled by the pandemic, the gospel's still growing. Isn't that incredible? 
around the world because the good news is so good it can't be stopped. (laughs) The good news is so good it's got to be shared. And here's how that happens. It happens when ordinary people tell an extraordinary story. When ordinary people proclaim the good news, lives are changed. Look back again at verse number 7, where the Apostle Paul reminds this church, you learned about the good news. And I made a point to tell you that there's some, some most... Scholars think it's Epaphras, but there's quite a few smarter than me who think it's Epaphras. And and the only reason I brought attention to that is I think it's awesome that we don't totally know how to say his name because he's not the point. I, I was listening to Ben Stewart talk about this text. He said, you know, at this time in history, Nero was literally conquering the world. We use that phrase sometimes as hyperbole nowadays. Man, that guy's just taking over the world. No, literally... He was taking over the world. Nero was. And the Apostle Paul was a nobody in a prison cell writing to a, to a church in a little city that wasn't that big of a deal from a guy that people don't even totally remember his name. And here's the amazing thing about the Apostle Paul writing this letter. Is across this room today, most of us know very, very little history about Nero. And yet the Apostle Paul wrote a significant portion of the best-selling book of all humankind. And the reason I think that's important to quote Ben Stewart, he said, is sometimes in this world, the spotlight isn't shining where the real action is. Everybody thought Nero was going to shape the future of the world. But God used a nobody in a prison cell to get the gospel to you and me. And the reason I think that's such a big deal is because in the last 12 months, as we've all been in survival mode, there's been nameless men and women serving God all around the world, and their stories will probably never be told. Nobody's reaching out to them to to, to do movie rights with them. Nobody's making headlines about them. They're just being faithful to serve God in a difficult place because they think the good news is too good to keep to themselves. John and Emily Slater have continued to serve God in Ireland for the last 12 months under profound lockdowns, unlike anything we've experienced here, where they have felt like their ministry has been nearly crippled to a halting point, and yet they've remained faithful serving God in that place because they believe that Irish teenagers need to hear the good news. The Rogers family has remained faithful and endured the pandemic in a third world country in Nicaragua because they believe that Nicaraguans need to hear the good news. We're we're partnered with people all around the world whose stories will never be known, who are just people telling other people the good news. And as a church, we have the profound privilege of partnering with them in that holy calling. By the way, it's the same reason that you came to know the good news is because a person told you. It's it's the mom who's just trying to, to teach her kids the way of Jesus. It's the dad who's fumbling through how to be a priest of his home. 
It's the, the coworker who says, man, I want to, I want to walk through this office in a way that can point people to the hope of Jesus. It's the neighbor who goes out of their way to be friendly to the unfriendly neighbor because just maybe God will open an, a door to share the good news. It's ordinary people, whether your name's Epaphras or Epaphras, just saying, I want to tell somebody the good news because I haven't gotten over it. It's still changing my life. And I can't keep this to myself. Here's the last observation this morning. And it's it's back again in, in verse 6. The good news will continue to bear fruit for generations to come. This idea of fruitfulness is a is a beautiful word. He, he uses this phrase, bearing fruit. The Apostle Paul uses that picture actually throughout the book of Colossians, not just in this verse. He uses... This this picture of of agriculture because Colossae was known for being a place of great harvest. The soil was really rich. They were good at growing stuff. It's how most of them made a living. And so he uses that language throughout this letter. But but I love that picture because here's the deal about fruitfulness. We don't bear fruit to the same as what we sow. It's always exponential. It is true that we reap what we sow, but we always reap more than what we sow. If I plant an apple seed, it will not grow an apple. Right? It will grow an apple tree that will endure for generations apart from famine or disease or fire. In a normal situation, that seed will grow a tree. And the good news is the same way. The the generational fruit of the gospel is the hope of why I get up in the morning. Because I believe I'm a part of something that's way bigger than me. Way bigger than my moment in the story. Way bigger than my generation. It's something that's timeless. And it's going to bear fruit for generations to come. So here's the deal. Most of the cities represented in the scriptures have been excavated and explored by archaeologists today. But not Colossae. Colossae has not been excavated, although historians and archaeologists are convinced that they know exactly where it is. It's kind of hard to miss. It's a giant hill. Unanimously, they they agree that this is where Colossae is, but they've never excavated it. And the reason is because that land is still so fertile. That soil is still so rich. It's still a place of great harvest. And so here we are in 2021. And guess what the real estate around Colossae is still doing? It's bearing fruit. Isn't that awesome? And that's cool for Colossae. But I got to tell you, there's another hill that's really dear to my heart. That I believe is still bearing fruit today. And it's not across an ocean somewhere, but it's still bearing fruit for the next generation. Before I was born... This church 
bought this property with the hopes that on this hill, fruit would be born out for generations to come. The cool thing is I wasn't born when Temple bought this property, and yet my sons are part of the fruit that's being harvested on this hill. That's what we're a part of in this whole thing of the good news, this whole proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, is we're a part of something that will outlive us. It will endure for all eternity. That good news is the song we're going to sing around the throne. It'll bear fruit for generations to come. So, let me give you this morning some good news about the good news. So we've been focused on the good news of the gospel this morning. Let me share with you some good news about the good news. Before I do that, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page, because I know we've got some folks who just have joined this church in the last year. The week before the pandemic began, we had what is one of the most important weeks of the the calendar year in my heart. We had our, our missions commitment Sunday. Every a uh, year at the end of February, we have our faith promise commitments for the next 12 months. And if if that's new to you, if you're not sure what that is, simply in, in faith to the promises of God, we make a commitment as individuals or as households for what we believe God has placed on our hearts to give for the next 12 months towards global missions. It's above our tithes. It's above the regular stuff that we do. It's a it's above and beyond. It's what the scriptures would call an offering. And the reason that we we commit to a dollar amount is not because we follow up with you about that. It's anonymous. It's so that we know how to budget and that we know what we're going to be able to do for the next 12 months with our list of ministry partners. And so last year, the week before the pandemic began, we collected our faith promise commitments. And then we just had to stay at home for a couple of weeks. And everything was going to be fine. You remember that? (laughs) We were so naive. We thought for sure this short-lived thing. But in in the midst of everything we've walked through in the last 12 months, you've remained faithful. To bear the fruit of the gospel through our ministry partners around the world. So here's some good news. About the good news. Not one of our ministry partners received one penny less than what we've committed to them for the last 12 months. And I'm going to be straight with you. I don't say that to give you glory. Because there's a whole lot of wonderful churches who haven't been able to say the same thing. Every day I'm getting emails from our ministry partners who are hurting financially because they've been dropped or their support has been reduced. The fact that we can applaud that, let's make no mistake. Let's not leave it unsaid. That is all glory to God. Thank you, God, for continuing to bear fruit on this hill around the world for your glory. 
there's some other cool things that have happened in the last 12 months, but I'm going to save it for next week. Come back next week as we continue to talk about the good news. There's just one more thing I want to talk about from the, from this past year because we never really got a chance to celebrate it. The last Saturday in June, we did a thing called the Manna Mile. And if you weren't here then or if you didn't participate in it then, for us, it was a way just to raise some funds for our partnership with Manna Worldwide. Specifically, one of the missionaries that we support is Ryan Jones and his family who oversee Manna Asia. Several of our feeding centers in Asia were underfunded because of the pandemic. And so what we decided as a church is we were going to do a fundraiser. And we called it the Man a Mile. But that was pastoral exaggeration because we didn't walk anywhere near a mile. <laughs> uh, but we just walked through a little circle. Um, back when it was hot, do you remember what that means? When it was hot outside? Um, we walked our little loop raising funds for Mana Asia. And then as a church, what we felt God had placed on our hearts is we... Like most other organizations, we receive some of the payroll protection funds from the government. We tithed on that to our missions program. And from that tithe towards missions and through your efforts in that fundraiser, we were able to present Ryan Jones with a check for $10,000 last June. Praise God. We never really got to celebrate that much because the very next Sunday, if you remember how bad COVID numbers were in July, uh, we went back to online only. And so I've been saving for today for months a little video. It's only a minute long um, from Ryan and his family um, just kind of saying thank you for our partnership with that. And so I want us to watch that real quick before we conclude. Hey, Temple family. We're the Jones family, missionaries of Manor Worldwide. And we just want to come and say thank you so much for your generosity. Uh, we enjoyed coming out to the Man a Mile, getting to see people out there. And, and I just want to say thank you for the encouragement. Thank you for the example. So many times we give out of our abundance and our excess. And that you've chosen to give out of your poverty. Uh, in this time, there's a lot of struggles. Uh, we've lost jobs. We've lost family members. Uh, had a lot of things going on. And we can take this time to look inwardly and, and, and be self-focused. And yet you all have decided look outwardly and be globally focused and love on these kids and support these kids uh, to feed them, to give them the gospel, to care for them. And just thank you for being that example. Thank you for being an encouragement to our family, uh, to millions around the world. I pray God blesses you in amazing ways. Uh, pray for our nation. Uh, pray for missionaries uh, as we're praying for you. Thank you again and God bless. So you just saw pictures of faces who got food in their bellies because God let us be a part of that. And they heard the good news. Isn't that incredible? That God would let us be a part of something like that? This is mind-blowing to me. So our, our artwork for this series and the, the thing I talked about at the beginning, all this kind of started with John Krasinski's Some Good News, Right? And he launched that March 29th, 2020. But by the middle of May, it went public that John Krasinski sold some good news to Viacom CBS. 
And he instantly, because what we're best at in the United States of America today is canceling people, he instantly, that was jaded, wasn't it? He instantly was in huge trouble with the world at large. We can't believe he would profit from something that was just meant to make us feel better. Everybody instantly went from, thank you so much for that, you're the villain. <laughs> Instant. And he explained himself. He said, listen, I don't need the money from this. I'm doing fine, if you hadn't noticed. I want this to continue, and I don't have the resources to continue this. And I want this to go to a broader segment of the world. My reach is only so far. If this is going to go around the world and continue, it needs more resources than I can offer. That's why I gave it to CBS. Here's the deal. That answer didn't make people feel a lot better, but I found it really interesting. And here's why. Getting the good news around the world has always demanded resources. For 2,000 years, the advancement of the good news has been fueled and funded by God's people. Not by selling it to Viacom, CBS. But by God's people saying, listen, what I've heard is too good to keep to myself. I don't want to be a good news hoarder. I want to share this story with the people I'm doing life with and the people I'll never meet. I want to partner with people who are taking the good news to them. And so next Sunday, we're, we're going to ask as a church, what would God have you do to commit for the next 12 months? I feel like I should say this. We're, we're not ending the year um, having met budget. We're, it looks like we're going to end our fiscal year of missions about $4,000 short of budget. Praise God, we build in some window because we knew a pandemic was coming. Um, just kidding. We always have uh-oh margin. We just had no idea that the uh and the o were going to be capitalized with exclamation points. But um, So we, we are a little short as we come to the end of this year. But we really believe God wants to do more through us next year. And I know for some of you to renew your faith promise commitment is going to take tremendous faith in the promises of God. Some of you, you've not participated before, and this will be your first time. Some of you, you're feeling the pain of, man, my, I lost my job or it's been reduced and I'm going to have to actually reduce my commitment. Listen, this isn't a guilt trip, a guilt trip thing. That's why it's anonymous. Um, but we just think God wants us to examine what can we do to get the good news around the world. And for a lot of people in this room, you give sacrificially to that. You live less of the American dream because you want to be a part of that story. And I applaud that. I honor that. And I believe God's not done. Ironically, I would tell you, there are more new missionaries that I'd like to see us pick up this year than any year since I've become your pastor. So the, the needs are great and the opportunities are even greater. And so I don't want, I don't want to, I would love to see us maintain. Praise God for that. I, I don't want to discount that, but I don't want to just maintain y'all. There are people who need to hear the good news. And until Jesus comes again, there's a job to be done. Let's go. Let's be part of this thing that he's doing. Let's continue to see him bear fruit on this hill for generations to come. Now, next week we'll, we'll, uh, we'll ask for you. Um, we're going to do it through text this year since we can't pass cards around because we don't want to be an epicenter of COVID again. Um, so we're going to do it digitally this year instead of with paper. Um, we'll give you instructions on that. 
the instruction for this morning is for the next week, would you just pray about what God would have you do? Uh, for those who are married, talk as a family. Um, talk with your spouse about what God would have you do together um, over this next year. But here's how we'll end our time this morning. The good news is so good that I want to make sure you don't walk out here not having heard it. So if you don't know for sure that you've ever had a moment where you experience what Jesus calls being born again, we just don't want you to leave this room today or log off online today without having a conversation. So in just a second, the band is going to be singing and there's going to be some men and women in the prayer room in the back of this room. Or there's a link by this video that says, can we talk? If you'll click on that, we can engage with you. We want to make sure you know because we believe this isn't some good news. It's the good news. It's the best news that's ever been shared in the whole world. And we want nothing more than to know for sure that you've received it in a way that's going to change your life.